What is going on, Straight Talk Faithful? It's your boy, your host, George Mackay, back in studio again today, pre-recorded. And man, oh man, do I have a good one for today. I'm not going to waste any time because I just want to get right to talking to this amazing talent. Let's bring him to the show right now. Please welcome the King of the North, Carter Mason. How are you, sir? Good, my friend. How are you? That was a great intro. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> no problem, man. I'm fantastic. I'm talking to you. I can't do anything better on a Sunday. This is just epic. It's absolutely epic. I cannot wait. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say, man. I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I've been uh, I've been a fan of yours for quite some time. We actually tried to set an interview up quite a bit of time ago, but our schedules just couldn't link. And thanks to now, things kind of freeing up. You're here. You're on Straight Talk, and I cannot be more excited. Hell yeah, man. Here we go. All right. So one of the first questions I always ask, I consider it my go-to question. I like to call it the defining moment. It's the moment when you remember when you fell in love with wrestling. Uh, the very first moment I saw it. Um, good question. I've told this. I've never been asked it that way, and I've told I've told how I discovered wrestling before. But that that was the moment I fell in love. Was the moment I saw it. Um, I used to have one of those old school TVs where you had to sit and like turn the dial. You know what I mean, manually. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, yeah. So I just come home from from school. It was like grade five or grade six. I uh, was in my room after school playing video games, was done with my video games, wanted to see what was on TV. I'm flipping the dials, and I went like 29, which was much music, 30, which was WWF at the time. And I remember going to like channel 31 and something inside of me being like, go back to channel 30 and let's just see what's up there. Flipping back, I had no idea what I was looking at. I, I was oblivious. All I knew was that there was like 15,000 people in an arena screaming, and I didn't know why. And if that many people were interested, I at least wanted to check it out. So that was it. I, I, I turned it on, and that was it. I've been in love ever since. Fantastic. Do you have a match or two that might stick out to you as like one of the ones you remember from your early days of being a fan that's like, oh, that's one of my all-time favorites, if you have one? Um, two that immediately pop in. And, I mean, the second one was even a little bit more recent. Um, the second one being Michaels and Flair, Flair's retirement just will forever be one of my favorite, favorite matches of all time. The emotion and the story behind it just captivated me, hooked me so strong. Uh, and for very similar reasons, uh, Jeff Hardy and the undertaker in the latter match, uh, when, when Hardy was fighting for the belt, equally the same thing. Uh, I remember exactly where I was when I watched that taker and Hardy match. Um, and that'll forever be one of my favorites. And it's awesome that you mentioned those two matches because I actually see, in your style anyways, when I have watched a couple matches and I've watched them in very detailed length in preparing for this interview, uh, I see a lot of Shawn Michaels and a lot of Jeff Hardy in your style. So I'm assuming that those two are definitely an inspiration and somebody in some characters you gravitated towards. Um, that's, again, a huge compliment. I appreciate that. Um, I don't know anyone who... I don't know any wrestler who doesn't strive to be... Shawn Michaels level or, or ability or caliber, right? Um, so definitely an influence in there. I would say most wrestlers on earth are, are influenced by Michaels in a way. Uh, Hardy was a massive influence, especially while I was younger. Um, if, if you, if you still see essences of that, then that's fantastic. I, I got no problem with that. Cause uh, when I was starting off, especially, um, he, he was a big, big influence. I was a, a huge Jeff Hardy fan. Uh, as a fan, a young fan, as a child growing up. Um, and he was definitely there, top three, alongside, I'd say, Guerrero and Jericho. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you've you pretty much listed uh, the top four out of my top five for sure. My other, oh, fifth, yeah. my other fifth one is my all-time favorite is uh, I'm a Triple H guy. I've been a Triple H guy since he was terrorizing. So I, I'm one of the old school, like, I, I followed that dude's career. I was even a fan when he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Helmsley and did the slop bucket matches. Like, I just loved everything about the guy. Hell yeah, man. And, I mean, when I was watching at that time, I mean, there, there wasn't someone that wasn't a fan of Triple H or The Rock or Stone Cold, right? But, unfortunately, uh, I'm a tinier guy, both in height and stature. So I tended to gravitate more to the guys that were more my style. Triple H, to me at the time, was just a, a beast, you know, so I didn't quite connect with him in that same way that I would with Jeff Hardy or Eddie or Jericho, you know? Absolutely, 100%. I think you gravitate towards the characters that you most try to emulate or, or take passion or inspiration from. And for me, I was always just like, you know what, man? Anybody that could come out and pull off a frilly shirt and do a curtsy right before he does the pedigree... And then eventually gravitate to become the cerebral assassin, the game of, uh, you know, the game, the uh, uh, the sledgehammer master, if you will. Like, anybody that can gravitate to become that, I'm all about it. Because I, I was much into the smaller guys, too. And then as I became somewhat of a bigger guy, I enjoyed the bigger guys a little bit more because they were kind of more at my level. So I understand the gravitation towards whoever was more your body type, for sure. Um, Absolutely. And looking at your career, I mean, you've been around since 2006. Congratulations on 14 years strong. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, one of my all-time favorite matches of yours that actually sticks out to me is one from about four years ago. It's you versus uh, one of my former guests and good friend of mine, Justin Saint. Uh, it was back in April uh, 2016. Do you you remember that match? I'm sure you probably do, but I mean... Which it could... company? French or Barry? Well, uh... This one was Barry. Sorry, this one Barry. was Barry Wrestling. I do remember. Yep, yes. I do remember Barry, yep. And that was just one of my... Man, I look at that story that you two told. I look at your speed. I look at your ability. I look at all the combos you threw together. Uh, the finish. There's not a bad thing I could say about this match. I mean, this was, in my opinion, uh, a five-star. And, I mean, just in terms of, like, your career and any of your... I could list your accolades all day. I could spend 45 minutes just doing that. But we can't do that. we got to get into the interview. But in terms of your um, like your matches and anything that sticks out, is there a match that you look back at over your 14 years thus far and consider, you know what, that's my, my strongest body of work to date? Um, I'd be the wrong person to ask, which sounds like a weird answer, but I'm so critical and such a perfectionist that, I mean... Matches. I loved that Justin Stane match, that Barry match, and uh, I, I kind of went into that match. She and I both did with chips on our shoulders, privately, like quietly. Um, we both felt like we we had to remind people what we were capable of a little bit, and I feel we did so. But even with that match, I could be super critical and break it apart uh, if if anyone wanted me to. Right. So I'm 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 always trying to make the last match I had better than the one. Or the next match I have, better than the one that I just had, excuse me. Um, there's a couple that pop out in my mind, but even now when I watch them back, I'm like, ugh, only because I can see even the growth I've made and the growth I can still make, right? Um, the first one that'll always pop in my head because I truly feel like that was the match that people were like, oh, Carter Mason, he is somebody, uh, was the Tyson Dukes match for uh, Lucha underground vampiros show that he did here in toronto 
Um, it was a, a co-branded show between the Man Lucha, Lucha Underground, and Smash Wrestling. Um, and the majority of the crowd was Smash Wrestling crowd. I'd say it was like 60% Smash, 20% um, or maybe even more, we'll say like 30% just wrestling fan because of Lucha Underground and then 10% Demand Lucha, which was my home company. Um, so the majority of the people that were there really didn't know who I was. Everyone know who, knew who Tyson Dukes was and beyond. But by the end of that match, everyone knew who I was. And from that match, I felt feel like a lot of momentum built up. Uh, and that really started getting me breaks and opening doors for me uh, was that match. So I'll, I'll always put that one, the Tyson Dukes, Lucha, uh, Vampiro, Underground, whatever it was called, um, at the top. Um the Just Insane match there, that was another one because of, like I said, we both felt very strongly like we had something to prove in that match. Uh, there was a Justin Kincaid match in there. Uh, also at Barry, uh, Joe Hendry. Um, there, there, there's been a handful that, even if other people don't understand why, privately, I've been very focused. Um, if I had to pick one, I'm sorry, that was a long rambled answer. If I had to pick one, though, I'd, I'd definitely say the Tyson Dukes match. That set off the most momentum for me by far. Well, and, and it's great that you picked that one because I did say two of my favorite matches stick out and that was one of them. So that was, I mean, that, awesome. that's a match that I can look back at as just being a wrestling fan and I could throw everything out the window about being a podcaster, about studying this business, of being a fan as long as I've been and just sit back and just look at two bulls just tearing the roof off of the place. And you're absolutely right when you say by the end of that match, people knew who you are. By the end of that match, people know that you, the King of the North moniker is not a fucking joke. It's 100% real because that match is something that's still special. I, lo- I go back to that match every time. Even when I was doing my research and I've seen that match 10 times over now, I still went back and watched it. I'm like, oh, I love this match, but you know what? I like this one, but I got to go back to that one. I, I still got to go. I must have watched that in the week that I, in the couple days I've been preparing for this one, I must have watched it four times. And each time... I saw something different. You know what I mean? Each time there was another layer and a facet that was able to tack on. So I think you hit the nail in the coffin perfectly as that being at the top. That's also at the top of, of my list as well. So there was, there was a lot behind the scenes of that match too, that I'd say not no one, but maybe three people on earth, four people on earth know about. Um, I, uh, I was, I went to mania week that year. And I had just gotten back eight weeks before um, that match took place. So I had, I had eight weeks post-Mania week um, to kind of get ready and stuff. But while I was at Mania, I had already decided in my own head, hey, when I, the, the day I get back. So I, I left Sunday. I was home Monday. Monday morning, um, my diet changed. My training changed. Everything changed. And I've even to this day, I've never been as dedicated or focused as I was during those eight weeks. I had I had already booked my trainer um, before I'd gotten home, so she was ready to go with me for when I got home. Um, and and I showed up in truly the best shape of my life. Then Tyson went out, and my music hit, and all of a sudden. The only time it's happened in my entire career, I actually had like an anxiety panic attack uh, as my music was playing. So one of my best friends on earth was the ref that was in the ring. The other ref was standing there because he wanted to watch the match. And uh, he was the only one that was kind of right there at the moment it was happening. Gave me a big hug. And in that big hug, I just kind of gathered myself and walked out. So the face, there's a picture that's taken. And it's one of my favorite pictures of me of all time because... The confidence and the uh, the readiness and the arrogance of the King of the North that is dis- that are displayed in that picture, 
three seconds before that was a very different feeling of worry and nerves and all that. But uh, that, that hug from that ref went a long way. And three seconds later, I was able to step out on stage with a, with a strong confidence. And Tyson and I delivered that match. So, And you know what? That's incredible because I, I'm always fascinated about that side of things. Because you, you, you never really – it's kind of like a taboo subject. Nobody really wants to talk about when and if they've had anxiety or panic attacks and stuff like that. So I appreciate the honesty there and being very candid. But does it sometimes resonate with you when you can sit back and, and just look at those memories like that and think, man, three seconds before that I was having a panic attack and then I walk out and I, I flip that switch. It's almost like a second nature to you now, I would assume, at this point, right? Um, very much so. And uh, I'm almost thankful that it happened because now it's um – it's an experience I can reference. It hasn't happened since, even with uh, like when I did the Monday Night Raw match and the NXT stuff. Um, even then, I really didn't have any anxiety or nerves or panic attacks. But let's say, you know, God willing, I end up main event of WrestleMania one day, and right before I go out, it happens again. I can at least reference back to this and go, you know what, Matt, you've been here before, uh, and you killed it, and you're you're more than capable. You know, so I, I try to look at things like that in my life as tools that I can use in the future should I require to you know a hundred percent I think every experience whether it be negative or positive you can always take something away from it and I'm right. just and going and doing the research that I've done and, and all the guys you the accolades and all the people that you faced I mean you face so many people in your career and every every match again I said we can list them on and on is there somebody that I mean I probably think I already know the answer to this but there's some people who may not know everyone has that kind of one opponent that brings out the absolute best in them in terms of chemistry, story, uh, fluidity in the ring. Everybody has that one opponent, but everybody's answer is always different because the opponent is, is, is sometimes usually something somebody very personal to that wrestler. In terms of you, is there one person that you probably face multiple times over that you get in the ring and you're like, yeah, man, I know this one's going to be great because we just have that fluidity. We can just do it. We can just turn it on. Like, you look at so many wrestlers of the past. You look at, again, you look at Shawn Michaels. Anytime I look at Shawn Michaels and he got into a ring with either it be Bret Hart or it would be uh, even when him and Triple H had the feud, I saw fluidity. I saw chemistry. I saw everything that you need in the ring to tell a great story. Is there one wrestler that you look at that you may want to shout out and say, yeah, man, every time I get into the ring with this guy, I know it's going to be something absolutely special? Um, no. There's three. Okay. Uh, Tyson, who I'm sure you would have guessed. Yes. Uh, Lionel, Lionel Knight, who is my best friend, my brother uh, on the face of the earth. Uh, and we've had more wars together than anyone else. Uh, sold out Demand Lucha together. Our feud at Demand Lucha sold out more, I think it was three or four months in a row. Um, so he's, he's tied with Tyson and Tarek. Those, those three, if I know I'm wrestling either one of those three, I know it's, it's going to be a match. And Lionel Knight is such a classy dude. I've interviewed both Lionel and Tyson, and they're both classy, humble guys. For dudes who have been around this business as long as they have, how humble and, and classy they are blows my mind. Tarek and I are friends on Facebook, but it's more just friends on Facebook because you add people that kind of like wrestling. I haven't been able to reach out to get him on the show yet, but I hope one day too. But you know what? Those three answers, not surprising at all. Tyson was the one I was thinking you were going to guess. The other yes, two sir. I was thinking was more honorable mentions. But actually, talk to me about that feud with Lionel, because that actually, see, we're just fluid today, you and I. We're going right the way I want it to go. That feud with you and Lionel, 
that was just something special and something epic. Is it hard to, because at the end of the day, I don't think people realize, I mean, we all know Kayfabe's dead now. We understand everybody's friends behind the scenes and stuff like that, especially in the indie scene. There's so much support and love for everything you guys do. And anybody that gives me the time on my show, I am always eternally grateful. But that feud with Lionel, is it is it weird sometimes for you to be best friends behind the scene and go out there and literally put each other through hell? Um, no, it's almost easier because you know nothing's personal. Like he can say whatever the hell he wants in that ring, and I I know it's not personal. I know there's no underlining shade or, or what have you, right? Um, matter of fact, the, the quite opposite. He was getting, he got so into it and was cutting such a good promo on me in the ring that I almost actually started laughing because I was, like, and not even on purpose. I was just like, wow, he's he's really working his ass off. And I was almost so impressed that it made me giggle because, because of that, like, the shit he was saying, I was like, man, if people only knew, you know? Um, and then vice versa, during those matches, we beat the shit out of each other. I actually had to give him, there was a, a moment in one of the matches I had to walk away and send the ref to check on him because I thought I knocked him out for real with a stomp on the floor. Um, but at the same time, like you said, no hard feelings because it, it, that's why we sold out three, four shows was developing that feud and uh, knowing what buttons to press in one another and, and where to take and stuff. So um, beyond, beyond unexpectedly almost laughing during his promo, um, I'd say it's, it's, if anything, easier. There's just so much trust. Yeah, that, that was the next thing. The next thing is because, I mean, every time you step in the ring, you're putting your trust in your opponent, you, and your opponent's putting their trust in you. Has there ever been kind of a moment where, you know, things got a little bit too serious and you thought maybe, not with a friend, just with any opponent in general, where you thought maybe this is going well beyond what I thought it might go in terms of personal, if you will? Um. There's been matches that I've gone into unsure of the way it was going to go and uh, allowing said individual to dictate the pace. Um, I, I have a very strong background in grappling outside of professional wrestling. I just stay relatively quiet about it. Um, so there's been a few scenarios where I wasn't sure what was going to happen. No one's ever crossed the line. There's been one person that's crossed the line. Um, and if I brought his name up and it, it was actually within the last two years, but if I brought his name up, you wouldn't even know who he was not worth mentioning. I'm not going to give him the, him or his school, the, the time of day. Um, it was dealt with, you know what I mean? And that's, that's all I'll say on it beyond that in 14 years never um and even the people that i was unsure about by the time the match was over we had uh, an understanding and respect between one another and that's that's enough for me so yeah and that's one of the things i absolutely love about this sport uh, that's one of the things that after all these years has made me a fan from all the the great promotions that have been out there to the wonderful ontario indie scene that i've been able to shout out and blow up on a consistent basis because it is just that fantastic i almost hate sharing it with people because I want to keep it to myself. You know, I, I'm selfish that way. I want to keep all these great talents to myself because I don't want them to blow up. Because if they blow up, then I can't see them anymore. And it, 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 at the same time, though, I want to shed light on the most amazing talent that I've ever seen. And Ontario is no joke. I look at Ontario as literally the hotbed of wrestling. It's it's literally pop culture again. It's a hot butt issue. We've kind of got a little Wednesday night war thing, if you will, between NXT and AEW that's kind of percolating and, and it's kind of making wrestling pop culture again. But out of all the 
the stuff that's all the smoke and mirrors that's happening in the wrestling business now. When you get into the ring and you're able to tell a story and able to, you know, change a fan's mind or perspective, is that one of the things you always take away from a match? Or is it just trying to better yourself each time? Um, both. It's it's a hundred percent both. Um because like I said, I'm so critical and such a perfectionist that at the end of every match I'll never have a match where I'm going to come backstage and be like, yep, that was that was the one, 10 out of 10. Um, I'll always find something. Even WrestleMania for the championship main event, I'll find something. You know what I mean? Um, so it's definitely both because some of my favorite moments and memories are like some of my best friends who, who appreciated and supported what I did but just weren't fans of wrestling and saw it as fake or phony or what have you. And then five, six years later, I'm finally able to convince them to come out to an event and all of a sudden getting texts going, is, is it actually fake though, man? Because that, that was like, that's not what I'm used to. And that's not what I saw. And those are the best. Those are my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, memories is, is being able to hook someone that was either on the fence or completely opposed, you know? hundred percent. And those are the fans that you, you lick your chops when you see somebody in an event. It's like, well, I know it's already predetermined. Well, yeah, but there's, there's more to it. There's, there's one thing, and this is one thing I love, and I think I can talk to you about this because I think you'll, you'll be in the same mindset as so many of my other former guests are. Wrestling is an art form. It's, Absolutely. It's literally a dance. It is. It's literally a dance of, of, of bodies shaping and changing and telling a story without a single word. Yeah, there are promos that lead up to it. There absolutely is. There's the promos that lead up to almost every match, but there's also the follow-through. And I'm a big fan, as much as I love the mic skills of any wrestler that has them, I'm a big fan of the follow-through. And I gotta say, on almost all the matches of yours that I absolutely love of yours, the follow-through is what keeps me coming back to you it keeps me a fan it keeps me resonating with you and i found over these 14 years that you've been doing this i've literally seen you consistently add a layer on to the point where i almost kind of want to quote quote shrek in a way people are like layers they have onions like like an onion they have layers there's multiple facets to it and i could say this without kissing your ass at all just being 100 percent real you have added so many layers to your character it's impossible not to love almost every aspect of what you do on a given night. I, I truly appreciate that, man, because, again, as critical as I may be of myself or, or my matches or whatever, I I will agree with that, that I constantly, I don't always feel that I do it right, but you got to do things wrong to do it right, you know? you got to, it's trial and error a lot of the time. Um, I'm always trying to add a new layer, and sometimes it's, it's adding five layers to get one new layer that sticks, right? And then you drop those four that didn't. Um, so I appreciate that people can see the growth and see... Uh, at least the attempted progress and layers added on. And uh, even in the next couple months, I, I hope everyone enjoys because there's plenty more to come. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't wait for the day. I can't, I, I don't want to, I dread the day when you say, you know, I've done everything I can do. I want to stop. I hope it never stops. I mean, I hope it stops to a point where it's safe and you're healthy and everything like that. But I hope it never stops because if it does stop, I mean, there's nobody else that could be the king of the, king of the North. There can't. It has to, it has to retire much. with you. 
And if it doesn't, it's a travesty. Then you'll have to come out of retirement to kick the crap out of the person who's trying to take the moniker. You know what I mean? There's, well, there's already been a couple people, but uh, <laughs> that's why I, I subtly have the true king of the north as my, my Twitter handle. Uh, I've talked with people all much higher levels than I that I, I respect and trust their opinions. Because um, there's even an individual that is higher level than I that tried to take my moniker after wrestling, wrestling me and tagging with me. And all the advice I've gotten was to just keep doing my thing because no one can, no one can do you like you can do you, right? So I appreciate you feeling that I am the authentic true king of the north. It'd be hard for me to say I disagree. Uh, I just hope to continue to prove it. You will. You will continue to prove it on a uh, on a global scale, and I, I know that'll be the future for you. In terms of, um, and one of the things I'm interested on, I'm always interested on, I know you've done a couple stipulation matches and stuff like that, but is there a stipulation match that you haven't done that given the right wrestler, the right creative outlet, the right promoter behind you to trust you to do your job that you might be interested in doing? Um, not without getting to a higher level. Um, now, uh, if you had asked me maybe a couple years ago, I would have said a cage match, but I, I was lucky enough to get I'm two or three of them in there uh, within a year almost. Um, so now I've done most of the ones that I would that are you know independent based or capable of providing. Uh, I've done really. I got to do a, a fantastic bull rope match recently with HC Loke in uh, in New York. Uh, I've done plenty of tables matches and ladders matches. I've done the cage matches like I just mentioned. I've done one death match uh, when I was in the gathering of the Juggalos. Uh, never looking forward to doing that again. Never planning on doing another one of those again. <laughs> uh, but I've done it. You know, took the stable gun to the face. Sucks. Um, now it'd be probably, you know, a, a Hell in a Cell uh, elimination chamber, like that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, I don't know any independents currently that can provide that. But uh, I think that's where we're looking at. If, if I had to pick one, I'd say the Hell in the Cell for sure. Oh, Hell in the Cell is just adds another layer. And, and, you know, speaking of the death match, I was actually hoping you might bring that up. Uh, in terms of, like, those matches, because they, they do take years off your career. They really, really do. And you, and you have to, again, be in there with the right individuals and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, taking a staple gun in the face absolutely 100% sucks. But now that you've done it and can say you've done it and survived it, I mean, obviously you're not going to recommend it to anybody. But, I mean, given the given the outlet of the, the title of Deathmatch, does it really, the, the name of the match actually live up to its, you know, namesake? Is it really, I mean, um, obviously taking a staple gun in the face is not pleasant. But, I mean, again, is it is it just a, a, a fancy way of saying extreme hardcore match? Or is it really that... I really I'd say, and I mean, I and I wouldn't even say. I'd say what I did was an extreme hardcore match. I wouldn't even like to classify what I did as a death match. The most extreme of my match was the the stable gun, which even that itself, I wouldn't. I prefer not to do again. Not so bad going in, but terrible to come out. Um, you know what I mean? And even with that, I I I say what I did was extreme hardcore. Um, and that because it's like it was the lower end of a quote unquote death match. What the what the actual death match guys are, and it's not my forte, it's not my thing. Um, but what they're doing is definitely that serious and definitely death match wrestling. And while it's not my thing or forte, uh, I got respect for every single one of them because they got balls that I don't have. So um, yeah, you know, I I, I can appreciate um, their art form. 
Absolutely, 100%. And, and, and like I said, it, it is an art form. And to any idiot fan or idiot person that doesn't believe that, I invite them to, you know, watch any wrestling event or get their butt off their couch and buy a ticket to any local event within this city. And they could see that it is truly an art form. And what you guys do is needs to be respected because it, you are the only sport that literally goes 365. There's no days off. Yep. True. And, In terms of the 365, yep, yeah, absolutely. And nobody nobody understands that or respects it. They don't get it. It's like, oh, well, basketball players do this and hockey players do that. Yeah, but they also get five months in between to recover. These yeah. guys don't. And especially in the indie scene, if you're hurt or you're injured, then you don't work. You don't eat. You don't survive. I, I spent eight months like that, unfortunately, still in the process of financially recovering. I went from being able to fly my mom to Europe for Christmas to, uh, like I said, financially recovering because for eight months I was I was stuck in my house, unable to do anything, unable to live, unfortunately. So happy to be past that, and now we're just it's just rebuilding. Hundred percent. And 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 does it um does it take away? I mean, like I don't want to bring up you know a depression kind of state, but obviously it does. Bring it, up whatever you want to talk about, my friends. It's a depressive. It's obviously a depressive state. Do you find yourself when you were in your house for those eight months? Did you find yourself really going into dark places? I, absolutely. I was the most depressed I'd ever been in my life. Uh, I was going week by week being told I had cancer, being told I had tumors, being told I had STDs, being told that no one knows what the hell's going on. And, um, you know, you, you think cancer and tumor and STDs are bad until you get told that they have no idea. And that that's the worst is when you're suffering with an illness or, or whatever and specialists and doctors and no one has any idea what's going on. The best they can say is, well, maybe one day it'll stop, you know, um, and that's that's where I was. So definitely plummeted me into a, a deep, dark depression for quite a while. Um, I was very lucky to have fans and, and friends and, and family um, all who stood behind me despite all that and uh, were able to keep me motivated when I wasn't able to keep myself motivated. Well, I'm usually pretty good at keeping myself motivated. And that's amazing. When you have that support system, that's that's a whole nother level of, of humanity and a whole nother level of just – uh, you see humanity at its finest work when you see people coming together like that. Absolutely. And uh, specifically have to shout out like the smash staff, Sebastian Suave included in that, but uh, the, the behind the scenes staff, because they uh, more than anyone else, uh, maybe my mom aside, you know, um, went above and beyond just to make sure that day by day, I was doing okay, whether it was checking in on me or inviting me over uh, to group gatherings just to make sure I was getting out and about and, and being uh, around people I cared. Uh, they really went out of the way to, to support and, and help me out. So I'll always be thankful to them for that. Talk to me about Mama Mason for a second. I always find this story mm -hmm. intriguing. So the minute you decided, hey, I'm going to be a wrestler, and you had to have that conversation with Mama Mason, how was that? Um... You say layers. There's a lot of different layers we can go into this with. Um, <laughs> I've been an athlete since I was four years old. I, I started playing baseball when I was four years old. So she's always pushed me um, in athletics. You know, whether I was she, – she thought I was going to be uh, a Blue Jays catcher. You know what I mean? Because for 10 years before wrestling, I was a high-level baseball player. That's kind of the, the route I was going. Then I started doing uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. I was actually on Canada's national youth team, played second for Canada uh, for wrestling. So I've always been an athlete. 
since, you know what I mean, I can truly remember. Um, I quit both baseball and Greco-Roman wrestling uh, to start pro wrestling. And she was well aware. Um, she, she supported, she paid for it because I was 15, 16, you know, 15 when I started. I was 15. Um, so she, she supported it. There wasn't really ever any hesitation. Um, I, I don't know if she, I, she may have thought it was going to be like a phase or something that's now lasted 15 years, you know, uh, but she was always supportive. Um, it was more, her and I definitely had personal struggles, her more so having her own individual uh, personal struggle, and that affected things much more than, we'll say, a lack of support. Um but she took care of herself, got everything fixed up, and uh, yeah, now she was never actually a wrestling fan. It's only a few years ago, and once she she got her health uh, fixed up, she she started watching wrestling and fell in love with it. And now, as you see, she's at pretty much every event. She's at every event there, and you can always tell where you can always tell where Mama Mason is in the audience. Like, yeah, that's Carter's mom right there. She's ready. To- <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. And that's fantastic. Um, a couple more questions, and we'll wrap it up because I know you got to go. But Please, in, yeah, in terms okay. of fans and how, you know, wrestling fans are the most honest, vocal, over-the-top fans that there are, has there ever been a moment where a fan has really come up to you and kind of, you know, poured their heart out and said, you know, I, I, I think you're fantastic, I'm a huge fan, I, I love you, you know, I made you this, t-shirt, poster, whatever, and it's kind of resonated with you, it's kind of stuck with you, like, this is what I'm doing it for. Um... I'm lucky and blessed enough to say that it's happened more than once, um, a handful of times it's happened, and absolutely yes. Um, I can honestly say that any time that you know I might be having a rough day with the career or struggling or being doubtful or whatever the case, uh, on more than one occasion I've, I've reflected back and thought about uh, you know an Instagram message I've gotten from a fan or a Facebook message or a fan that's come up to me at, at an event. Uh, and giving me like an acting figure that they made of me because of whatever reason, you know. Um, so on more than one occasion, absolutely, the memory of that has helped keep me going and, and, and pushed me to continue doing what I'm doing. And it's moments like that that are really special because, you know, as much as fans can help lift you up, sometimes, I mean, you may not realize that you're helping fans deal with their own struggles and they look to you. You never as, do. Yeah. I, can, I can honestly say that until... Until someone directly approaches me, whether, like I said, online or in person and says, hey, this is, you know, the case. This is what it is. Um, We're so, I mean, at least for myself, I won't won't speak for every wrestler, but for myself, I'm so focused on, you know, being the best I can in that ring. And I've worked, I've trained so hard for this match or whatever, whatever. So I'm just focused on delivering for the fans and making sure they enjoy it. Um, I don't tend to think beyond that right like my goal is they've paid money i want to make sure they leave happy about it you know not damn i wish i didn't spend that 20 bucks you know um so that's my thought so it's not until someone comes up you're like hey mason you know whatever 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 that it it really hits me but it it, whatever they do it really does hit me and it, it means the world Absolutely. I guess I'm, just, I'm just an, uh, an average guy you know what i mean i've never met my dad single mom um She's pretty much all I got. That's why we're so close. So when, when people say stuff like that or, or look at me as the king of the north and stuff, um, it, it, it does mean a lot because it's it's been a long journey to become the king of the north. And you know what? Every king has those uphill battles. And I think you, Absolutely. you fought a lot of them and you've won. And you're a big inspiration to me. 
You are, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you about that because as much as uh, I was nervous about today, I, I feel like, you know, we're fluidity. I feel like there's a budding bromance that's happening. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why you would ever be nervous. I'm, uh, anyone that's nervous to speak to me is silly. I like to think I'm pretty approachable. I get grumpy sometimes. We all get grumpy, you know what I mean? But yeah. I, I'm pretty pretty approachable. I like No, I mean, just being, as being a fan first and, and, and finally sure. being able to sit down and talk with you, it's like, I'm about to sit down with the King of the North. Like, it's just fucking surreal. I've been doing this for two years, and I'm finally getting, you know, you know, 35, 40 minutes with the King of the North. This is, whew. I gotta just, I gotta go outside and that, catch man. my breath, you know what I mean? Um, and my it's, it's been a pleasure, though, let me say. Oh, thank you very much, I appreciate that. Well, I'm gonna ask my final question, and then I'm gonna let you enjoy your Sunday. But I wanna take the time before I do to let you know you're officially now a member of the Straight Talk family. Anytime you wanna Hell come yeah. back on the show, you got my number, I got yours. We'll do it all over again. Absolutely, we can set something up for uh, when I get back from Florida, if you like. We can ah. talk about uh, what's, what happens while I'm down there. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We'll definitely set you up. So I will hit you up. When are you going to Florida again? Um, I have not picked the date, but it seems like it's going to be March 27th. It'll be my uh, leave date. Perfect. Well, then this is good because this episode here is going to drop sometime in April. So we could set something up for down the line in May or June. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, fantastic. So I'll, April is when I'll be gone and I'll be back at the end of April. Oh, so fantastic. All right. Then I'm going to hit you up May 1st. So prepare for Perfect. a text message from your boy. All right, and, no I, and my final question, in terms mm. of you know advice, because like I said, you've been doing this for 14 years. If there is ever a fan that approaches you, a young fan, boy or girl, doesn't matter, comes up to you and says, you know what, Carter, I really want to get in this business and I want to try this. I want to, I want to, I want to experience it firsthand on my own. What would be the one piece of advice you would pass on to them? Um, go to the right spot because there's so many. It, like it, it's hard to say what's the the one piece of advice because there's not I I wouldn't say one thing and then walk away if if a fan came up to me it'd be a long conversation about it right uh, there'd be there'd be a handful of things to um to go over if if you're asking for one for this question I'd say make sure you go to the right school take take an extra month or two to research them um, I wasted a lot of time over those fourteen years um, that you know could have sped up. A process for me probably if I had just done that right from the get-go you know um it was it was then I experienced stuff but I definitely could have got better experience quicker and and there definitely I feel was a portion of my training or, or career or whatever you want to call it um that that had wasted time in it um so basically say make sure you go to the right spot so you know five years six years ten years later uh you'd be amazed how often I hear that um you don't have to get retrained, you know? 100%, 100%. Well, Mr. Mason, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's been an honor to speak with you today. And I look forward to hitting you back up again in May. And we're going to do this all over again, man. Sounds like a plan, man. It's been blast. I appreciate it very much. All right, you go enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And from me to your mother, please, pass on my heartfelt admiration. Because when I see her at an event, she makes me scream my head off even more. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, enjoy your Sunday. Thanks, buddy. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Well, guys, what can I say? That was the king of the North, Carter Mason. I just, I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm geeking out right now as a fan, first and foremost. It's an honor to talk to any of these individuals that give me time. And, man, oh, man, it's just, whew, my mind is reeling right now. So, as always, I'm your boy, your host, your number one wrestling fan. Thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to tune in next week because, oh, oh, man. It's going to be crazy.
You're gonna want it. You definitely gonna want to tune in next week. Peace. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.